0: Sun is shining and so is Moritz. Legendary. Uh, it wasn't even close. The voting, not even close. I love. I. I like. I feel like looking back, like in I don't know, like January, February, we were like kind of anxious that someone might upset him, and like when the Calder, but it wasn't like looking at the voting. I think it was. I wouldn't go into like the totals in a little bit, but it wasn't even close, and I'm so happy that he won.
1: I. I think I saw something about like. How Crosby had 108 points, I think, his rookie year, and he was fifth in Calder voting. So it just I mean, shows, times have changed. It shows that people have gotten a lot brighter in the voting process. Uh, I don't know, except maybe uh, James Sib Sibulski, Sib I don't know how to say his name. He's he's the guy that does the EA. He calls the EA games. He's a bum.
0: Yeah, we can talk about that comment in a little bit, but uh, that's embarrassing. Or It was pretty bad. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the production line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And he's on sabbatical. I don't know where he's at. Unfortunate. We (laughs) miss you, buddy. We miss you. Come back soon. Miss you. Um, Yeah. But in this episode, we'll talk about um, Moritz Sider being named to the winner of the Calder Trophy. Um, Talk about a little Jeff Petrie rumors to Detroit. Some thoughts on that. Grant has strong opinions on that. And we have an interview with Spencer Lazary of Inside the Rink and Recruit Scouting, and we talk a little NHL draft for the first time on the pod. So excited about that. A lot of OHL coverage, which is a league that I haven't really seen. So it's kind of nice to get a little background on some of those players. Yeah. First, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com
1: Yes. Let's talk about Mort Sider. A beautiful human being. Uh, I don't know what there is to say. I guess I've just I'm t- I've talked about him so much and Gave him so much credit. It just and I guess I just feel like I keep beating the nail right right in the head. The nail is so deep right now. So it's, co- it's in the coffin. It's yeah, solid. The nail is way too deep. I cannot even hit it anymore. Is what I'm getting at.
0: So um, I have a screenshot of the voting results of the Calder trophy. Uh, I don't know. You're probably wondering why I have those. And the answer is because there was four fourth place votes for more cider. I saw four of them. them. Do you know who? I was like, I I had no idea who like two of them were, but one of them I was really surprised on was Michael Russo. Of the Me Athletic. too. I was shocked. He had Matt Boldy over him though. I was like, that's. I mean, nice. I mean, Matt Boldy is, deserves to be like. I think like in a full season he deserves to be on there, but like not over cider. Yeah, not even close. No. So like, I was genuinely surprised with some of the result. Like, I think it was like a Philly writer that had cider. Fourth as well, which is sorry that cider was in
1: Philadelphia's grill all year and your team. Yeah, he just junk. Who who did he destroy in the open ice? The, the hit was it? Um, Mayhew, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Mayhew, and then he went cheddar. He got waved. Penalty killed them. Literally, yeah. killed them on the penalty kill. He literally got Gavin Mayhew waved. Yeah, <laughs> but he got to go to Anaheim, so way better than Philly. So that's good for I am saying.
0: Yeah. So cider, even, even when he thank tries you. to destroy thank you. you,
1: thank you cider for making my career better. And now I don't have to live in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's true. You to go the only good, <laughs> really nice place to live is Hershey. If you want chocolate, there you go. It could,
0: that could be an appeal to him. We don't know that maybe he's yeah. upset about it. He's upset. No, no. Uh, obviously we found out uh, during, during the interview and you'll hear that when it comes across, but uh, no, I really loved his speech breaking that down a little bit like uh does dig at his parents for not coming and being on vacation quite quite funny um but no he's just so likable like in the speech i like the personality there i really loved that chris illich and steve eisenman and even dylan larkin coming along for that
1: obviously they knew before but like i mean pretty sweet okay this is a legit question do the players know beforehand if they're gonna win the award i don't think so Because you know how bad that would suck if you think you're going to win the award? Like, imagine – okay, I guess this is kind of a toss-up. But, like, you're Roman Yossi. You just had the best season of your career. You literally carried Nashville besides Soros. Mm -hmm. You are pretty inclined that there's a really good chance you win the award. I mean, I personally don't think he's the better defenseman. But the season he had on the team that he was on was incredible. Right. Uh, so you invite a bunch of people probably, and then you don't win the award. So I was wondering if these people, if these people know ahead of time that he's not going to win the award and don't come and just, Yossi just goes and has fun with his buddies basically. See, like, I don't
0: like, in my opinion, they wouldn't know because then like, why would you go? You know what I mean? Like if I, if I I I know, if I know I'm finishing third, like, why am I going to, I mean, I guess I have disposable income, but like, I'm going to the event and like spending money and stuff that okay about
1: I, I guess but the other one was such a landslide like uh, okay so like there there was a chance in my head that zegers could win the calder correct because of, because of flash yes and and he's a damn good player but if you talk about the vesna there's no chance in hell that anyone's gonna win over shesterkin so why are these goalies coming so that's right. a, that's the same argument as them knowing because they already knew. So I is yeah. sorrows, sorrows and markstrom going. Have a good time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe like I mean it wasn't Tampa though, you, it wasn't in Vegas this year. I know, but you still get the recognition of finishing top three in the league is in a single basically position for the goalie aspect of it. I'm also, like, among,
0: like, I don't think this is, like, a really big pot tick or anything. I just think, like, the, the actual ceremony itself is pretty whatever. It's, like, no television value for me personally. I don't know. I, the, the comment about
1: Austin Matthews in the least is kind of
0: oh, Kenan, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about Keenan Thompson. I think he's wonderful. Like, he's so funny to me. That joke was awesome.
1: I'm just saying, yeah, that
0: joke was pretty good. Like, I'm I'm thinking back to, like, like was it like 2013 when Will Arnett would host and he did oh the Brendan God. Shanahan? He was unbelievable.
1: <laughs> okay, that's when it was actually like good.
0: Yes, he did like the the Shanban.
1: Oh really. my gosh! Some oh. memories right there.
0: I know. I did not mean to, like I could go to a whole ten. He is about a,
1: that. He he was the best. Uh,
0: he was also really good as like uh, hosting the Amazon Prime documentary on the Leafs as well. Like he, he was, was really really good. Yeah. Um, that's anyway, uh, Will Arnett. That?
1: That's Jason Arnett. Arnott's brother, right? <laughs> Will Arnett. <laughs> it's gotta, gotta be.
0: Gotta be. Um, but now back to cider. It was 170 votes to 195, if I'm not mistaken.
1: First yeah, place votes. So. Ridiculous. That's do you do you think the? Let's go back to Yosi and Makar. Do you think it should be first place votes or points? It should go off of. Hmm. I don't know if you're going to have this point system, like,
0: okay. If, if your scenario was a thing, right? Like, let's say, like I'm not saying you're choosing one way or the other. You just asked me the question. Right. But if they're going strictly off first place votes, then why do we need the point system in general? Yeah. In that sense, we wouldn't have the all three nominees. We would just have one guy who would win it. Yeah. So under their system, I, they, it needs to go by points simply because that's why it's there. But I do think there's some sense of if they got the most first place votes, I, I'm down for that, but also they just need to change it. Then, yeah, I understand it's supposed to be kind of like ceremon- ceremonious in the sense of like having three guys go and whatnot. But whatever, I guess they could just reveal who had the most first place votes at the actual event. But whatever, I don't know. The point system is a little stupid. Maybe I'm changing my mind. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I could do either way.
1: Okay, I'm. I, Kale McCarr should have won anyway, so I'm happy about that. Yes and no. I don't know. That one's kind of confusing to me because I guess he was on the better team and he's the better defenseman. But also, Roman Yossi, literally every single night he stood out over everybody else. It was him and Saros the whole season. And I would, could, I would argue I would
0: Forsberg, too. I would argue Yossi's matchups, though.
1: Yeah, and that's a good argument. Makar's playing against first. First lines every night. You'll know, see playing against second and third lines because Carrier and Eckholm take the brunt of everything. So yeah, yeah.
0: I like that argument. Yeah, but uh, no, Cider. I thought, yeah, I thought his speech was really cool. Oh my god, we can talk about. The, can we talk about the video that was made? Oh my gosh! The, Wait, <laughs> so which, who do you want to start with out of the out of the group there?
1: Ah, uh, dude, Joe playing kiss ass. Yeah, it sorry. sounded like sorry. he was sorry, writing, sorry, a, yeah, he was a, writing lo- a love, love letter. letter. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys just get engaged or what? Dude. It was
0: so long. It was half the video. is was Joe Valeno. <laughs> and that
1: then so I, I'm long. like half falling asleep watching the video. I'm like, Joe, you need to, you need to chill out. It was like Igor certain speech last night. I'm like... I, I think well, it's like his had first
0: enough. time speaking like more than three sentences in English. So like cut him some slack. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm like, I've
1: had enough. And then all of a sudden Sergey comes on and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I started
0: dying. Okay. You know, tired take is, oh, they just got next Red Wing to, you know, do a video. Cool. <laughs> Wired take is Sergey Fedorov is already in Detroit, signing the next contract to be the head coach. And he's... <laughs>
1: Playing
0: He's in pump- all moments, twenty <laughs> minutes plus. He was yeah, like Don was kind of like pretty reserved and like just kind of said his thing, but then Fedorov <laughs> was fully animated, like yelling into the mic. He's like talking about tw- over twenty minutes a night. He's just pumping up his neck. Next- He's future first bearing defenseman. Uh... It's fine. No, I'm pretty sure, uh, like diverse bubbles here. Like I'm pretty sure Fedorov. I think was confirmed that he is staying in Russia. I'm pretty like i um, If I, I think I did see that. Yeah. But either way, very cool video, and I loved every second of that. Um yeah, that made, was awesome. Made me really happy to see like Sam Gagne talking about Mo. I yeah.
1: love that
0: man. I said like the Momo. Him, yeah, he got called Momo by a bunch of bunch of the guys on the team. Like I think going it was
1: and Gagne. I think
0: Larkin did as well on his Instagram post. Oh, okay. But like, I saw like like going through Cider's like Instagram story. It was like all the players that he reposted and whatnot. It was basically everyone on the team. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty cool. it is pretty cool to see like how tight knit this team is. No cider, it was pretty cool. Uh, the guy, like the the um, ballot that I agreed with the most in terms of Calder was uh, John bucci Grasses. What would he do? Cider one, Raymond two, Zegras three, uh, Lundell four, Swayman five.
1: I disagree with that. Really? Yeah. Who'd you go? Cider one, Zegers two, Raymond three, and then I'd probably go Swayman four, and then I'd go Lundell five. Yeah,
0: I, I like Zegers and Raymond. I can kind of flip around. I'd also like I'd actually throw Janot in there, and Bunting technically did play pretty well, but I know I can't really add on rules that don't exist. But yeah, there, he shouldn't have been qualified. I like how Nudelkovich also got a fifth place vote. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Singular. Um, yeah. Yeah, fugue, fugue sent it to me and he's like, I love how like people were like the bunting thing, and he's like, let's look back a few years when 32-year-old Victor Faust almost won the Calder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan Fugue. Oh, I actually had to talk to I talked to you about after the podcast about an interesting uh idea I have with Ryan Fugue. And we, yeah, something that the podcast could get excited for. So we'll see. Nice. Yes. Um. Yeah. I Lucas Raymond also finished fourth, which was kind of cool to see. Uh, both players made first team rookie, which was neat. Good recognition. Uh, other than that, like, if you want to do like a quick awards wrap, there wasn't really any other surprises to me, anyway. No, it was pretty basic. I don't know. Kind of what I expected. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, Matthews winning the Lindsay and the heart to be expected. Um yeah. just jerkin. He did finish third in hard voting, which is kind of cool. I think I don't know, how would your heart ballot go? I was like pretty torn on like for who the best player was honestly this year.
1: I got McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. It's not particularly close
0: to me. Because, because honestly, like my opinion, like if we're going strictly, like the the definition of the award most valuable to their their players team, it's gotta be Shosturkin. You think? Yeah, I don't think the rain, like again. I think we talk about this all the time. The Rangers aren't good.
1: Okay, Shosturkin. I think they could sur- survive more than Edmonton could without McDavid. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, I just think the Leafs could survive completely without Matthews. I, I not get completely, the, but like the, they'd be okay. They could make the playoffs without him. Yeah, they'd be a playoff team. Uh His sixty goals though is incredible. Uh, that's so you, that's just like impossible to come by as a player that can score sixty goals. I just think Mitch Marner has a very big helping hand, and Matthews. That's my point exactly. Who's not talked about a lot, and I, I want to see like McDavid's most played with line mates throughout the season because. He plays with of some, but if there was a chart of who he played with most of the season, it would be really interesting because uh, he makes things work with anyone he plays with. Yeah. No, I
0: kind of like – yeah, it's just always the, the argument is like, oh, McDavid and Side or whatever. I'm
1: like, Matthews and Marner. They That's literally gotta play be, together. Like, you play with each other every game.
0: Yeah, like it's quite silly like how that – where Edmonton
1: can't afford to play Drysdale and McDavid together, because then no. their other lines get killed.
0: No, exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of does it for our awards talk. Shall we uh, cut into the interview right here? Sure. Yeah. So here's our interview with um, Inside the Rink and Recruit Scouting's very own Spencer L- Lazare. All right, today we have a very special guest on and one of the first times we haven't had uh, actually this is the first time we haven't had Carson Gates or Ryan Fugue as our guest so it's gonna be like more of an actual interview we have on Spencer Lazeri who writes for the Toronto Maple Leafs for Inside the Rink but also what we're really gonna be talking about finally a draft episode and he works for Recruit Scouting as an OHL contributor Um, welcome to the show Spencer. Thanks for having me. Um, so just kind of want to, before we start, um, tell us about your process. Um, what goes into your OHL focus, how much like all draft eligible players focused, like what goes into your day to day?
2: Um, excuse me. I, so we, we kind of start at the beginning uh, of the season where you kind of talk about, um, prospects, but it doesn't really get kind of interesting until, December ish, January, or yeah, January when you know, players have kind of had what two, three months to, to kind of show what they have. Um, and then from then we have, as a team, we pay for Instat, uh, which is, I don't know if you guys have heard of Instat. Some people might, some people haven't. Have you guys?
0: I've heard of it, yeah. yeah it's I've like
2: not. basically like every clip known to, to the world of, of prospects. So I could type in, shane right and it will be like clip for clip like an actual scout so like when you're a scout not not me but when you're a scout a paid scout they'll send you game footage and there's no in-between game footage so it's just like shane Wright shifts like say 15 shifts that he had in the game and you just watch the shifts so it's kind of cool you get like their breakdowns and everything so we use that we go through and uh and kind of talk about uh different prospects that we like and everything and then throughout the season, we do our mid-rankings, and then uh, we do our own reports. Uh, this year, I did, uh, I think, an Owen Beck one, and I'm working on a Hunter Height from Barry. Ooh, and then nice. from then, we do one big meeting uh, with the final rankings where everyone's kind of there. And based on OHL, I'm just strictly like OHL. I mean, I guess I could watch other players, but I typically only watch uh, OHL players eligible for the draft.
0: Nice. Yeah, we'll definitely get back. Owen Beck is actually a guy that I have written down as a guy I want to get back to later for one of my later questions. But uh, yeah, Um, how do you feel about this draft class like compared to years past? Like there's always – I feel like it's always the grass is greener towards the next year. Like I felt like last year everyone was pretty low on the the draft year. Everyone's just just wait until 2022. Yeah. We got Shane Wright. We got Brad Lambert. We got everyone coming up. And then now this year everyone's like, well, 2023 is going to be superb.
2: I, I, I think 2023 will be better than this one, to be honest. But uh, I think, what year is it? I think it was the McDavid draft. Uh, I think that was one of the deepest ones I've seen. Uh, this yeah. one's, it's okay. It's not as deep as people said at the beginning. Um, like the fourth, fifth, sixth round, I, I don't see many uh, many uh, bigger name players coming up. But there, there's some like Max Nemesikov, um, Max Barbashev. Like they've all got brothers. So, you know, you kind of, Vlad, that's our guy
1: they'll... oh, <laughs> so oh you know, yeah they kind
2: of hope that uh they'll have success but i i don't see this trap being um as good as what they said at the very beginning
0: yeah no and i feel like it's been i think this might may, maybe this is due to COVID. i don't know maybe you have a different opinion than i do on this but like this is like the last couple of years we had it was covid canceled seasons are part of it but also we had previous viewings of their either their 16 year or their draft year a little bit in 2020 and then getting it cut off um this year they didn't have that 16 year they had i mean if you're shane Wright, you had your 15 year old year in the ohl but then you're going directly yeah. into your draft eligible year is that kind of part of it with these big swings of players that are go are dropping really low or rising really late it, it could be because i think like i don't know i didn't hear a lot of talk on owen
2: beck um <coughs> like throughout the, I, throughout the whole year, but like the last two, three years, I, I never heard of them until basically this year. And I think last year you would have seen them more, but with COVID and the shutdown and like, I think you're right. I think that you'll even, I think you'll even see some guys like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that could, that could potentially be like appearing ball style, but I just don't think it's very likely because um, based on like how much of a struggle they've had like it will take them. Now they're two, three years into the career. By the time they develop to what they could have been in their first draft year, you know. So I, I just think, um, I think there's some some guys that could that could turn out to be like NHL players with NHL caliber. But I think majority of the later rounds are going to be you pick them and hope that they develop.
0: Yeah, right. It's kind of those swings and like swings out of the
2: blue. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with COVID because like a guy like Max and at the beginning of the year, I remember some people talking about him, like he could be a skillful forward in the NHL. And then by the end of the year, you have one bad year and that had damages to draft stock. And that happened last year with Matthew nice. He had an injury and then COVID and then Toronto picked him in the second round, but he was actually first round talent. And that happened with Ty Nelson this year. I think Ty Nelson dropped a lot into the second round because of one bad year that kind of forced how, him into the second round
1: how high do you think nice could have slotted himself
2: because i mean i i personally think he could have went to like maybe 20 to 30 yeah, in the first round he's no better than tyler boucher that's for sure i, I <laughs> the, the issue i think is like so many people looked at his injury not like he's got like an awesome Matthews level shot it, he's ridiculous yeah and like I mean, I'm I'm glad that Toronto picked him. Obviously, I'm a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, but it's like the amount of teams that just passed up on this guy. I mean, I guess you could say with oh, every year, but especially in this situation,
1: they keep finding talent. Late. Yeah, yeah, and Damn Ty Steph. Boy
2: just got announced to the American World Junior and invitee list, uh, which I think he was like a third round pick last year, fourth round pick. So kind of interesting that. But I mean, Detroit, like they have. It doesn't matter if they're sixth or seventh round guys like or detroit's had a a background history of developing guys and and cby was there through majority of the zetterberg and dad development so i just feel like he's the type of guy that he's going to tell you you're going to develop and you're just going to listen to him and do it you know like he's (laughs) intimidating
0: this is scary dude i i can't imagine like because obviously there's like you hear who interviews with detroit like you know your teams at the draft combine and stuff like that i'm like i just can't imagine like sitting across from Steve
2: Yeah, he's just one of those guys. I just I feel like, well, I don't. Do you guys listen to the Cam Strick podcast? Occasionally, yeah. They had uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, Oscar Oscar Sundquist. Yeah, yeah. And and he said like, it's, it's like he's like the most intimidating person, but nicest guy. <laughs> but he's just the most intimidating person to be around.
0: I love Oscar Sundquist. I can talk about Oscar Sundquist for quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a it's random. It's funny,
2: and that thing he said like Detroit or um, St. Louis really liked him a lot. Yeah. And then he got traded. And now Detroit wants to hang on to him forever. So yeah. like it seems like he's just a likable guy.
0: Yeah, he's got that goofy smile, like crooked teeth. Like definitely yeah. needs to see a dentist, but it's fine. You know, we'll take it. And he's um, huge drunk. <laughs> we love it. We love it. That's good stuff. Um, get back to this draft. Um, it kind of seems like every draft has like these groupings of players. Um, from like a, like you know, like what I mean, like there's like these tiers. Yeah. Where do you kind of see the tiers this year? I mean, I kind of like view, like, it feels like the top five is kind of like really set with like right all the way down to like, GiraChek. And then you get yeah. down and I feel like there's a huge grouping from like six to 20 where like players could go anywhere. Yeah. Where do you kind I, of view your tiers?
2: I think that's like, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I had Shannon right number one, but now it's like, as you said, one to five is kind of like, you could pick any of the five guys at the top like in the top tier and and they would have good, good careers. But yeah, I think like that six to maybe I'd say it's like six to nine, six to 10 is kind of separated. And then from then on, like, I could see like Owen Pickering, for example, he's slotted some people's at 15 and he's also slotted some people at 28. Like it just like that whole grouping of like, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 30 is just kind of, I think the first round is going to be pretty deep. Which I think
0: which, I think it's gonna be super fun, is what it's gonna be, because it's gonna yeah. be all chaos.
2: And like that goes back to the the thing that you're mentioning with the COVID shortened season stuff. It's like, how many of these guys in the top, like that? If you take on Beck at 25 or 26, like he he could show that he could have been a, I don't know, like a ninth or tenth pick by the end of his career, right? Like just because that one season kind of says it all right now. Besides when you're looking at your junior, but how are you supposed to take a guy at 15 years old and kind of say like, yeah, he could be. Like, you know, what I mean, like, I guess you can in a sense, but like at 15 years old, how is he supposed to play against men in the NHL? You kind of, that's kind of hard to, that's why there's those second tier leagues, right? The OHL, the USHL. So it's kind of hard for, I think, in my personal opinion, to kind of look at a guy and be like, okay, I've seen a little bit of his stuff at 15 years old. And then we're looking at a guy about what, 17 years old, and there's like a big gap in his, his time. Yeah. I just think like you, the 10 to 30 range or 15 to 30 range will be very interesting.
0: Definitely. I kind of feel like that like similar to even at a younger age when like in the U.S. anyway, where kids are committed in college and stuff there, you're starting to commit. You see kids committing at what, like age like 13 and then yeah, you're supposed to project them out to 18 and see if they're division one ready. And oftentimes they're not like growing up in Michigan. Like you see, like all of the triple A programs, a lot of kids are committing really early and a lot of them don't end up going. It's just kind of like you're just it's it's such a guessing game.
2: It's like, I think it's like 15%. Like if you're a scout and there's a quote unquote hall of fame for scouts, I think it's like 15% accuracy. What do wow. you think like people are seeing, I don't know, probably 5,000 players. If you're a scout from 30 to however old 60, 70, like I think it's like 15% or something is like a good scout.
0: Yeah. Right. I know like the, like kind of like a good rule of thumb is I've heard as well is like any draft, like out of your seven picks, if you get two players to hit, it's yeah. a great draft.
2: And sometimes the first round pick is like a quote unquote, uh, like, uh, Bust. yeah, but like everyone thinks that they're going to be a guaranteed, and then you get a guy who's yeah. just the absolute worst, like Neil Yakupov,
0: <laughs> legend, legend. <laughs> um, so kind of like bouncing back to like something you said a little bit ago with Shane Wright. How confident are you that he is like the first overall pick?
2: Uh, I think he's going to get picked number one. I think it's just kind of hype for the draft but i don't know i think as we mentioned like the top five are gonna have good careers i think there's a couple guys that are gonna have better careers than shane wright and logan cooley and and slavkovsky really i I think shane wright's already at the like he's gonna develop he's gonna have a better i guess he's gonna be better but i think he's gonna be like a lafreniere where it's like your everyone started at the beginning saying he's a Sidney Crosby. Everyone started at the beginning saying he's a Patrice Bergeron, and now people are saying he's a Ryan O'Reilly, which is a big drop off. No disrespect to Ryan O'Reilly, he's a great great player, but like you're you're talking about a Hall of Fame, like first ballot Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, and then you're dropping him down to Ryan O'Reilly, like right. that. I, I, and then uh, Slavkovsky's like 6'4", 220 pounds, plays physical, has a great shot. You know, like I just think that he can fit the mold of a team like New Jersey, like Detroit where Shane Wright's, like, he's going to be put in the situation if he gets selected by Montreal to be the guy. Yeah. Like, eventually he'll be Nick Suzuki and, like, Shane Wright, and then he'll just take over, kind of like what Austin Matthews did with William Nylander. It's like, who is William Nylander now? Because Austin Matthews is there, and that's so much pressure put on a player, especially Shane Wright. Like, he's mature, but he's kind of lacks the days ago, in my opinion, in the defensive zone.
0: Wow. Yeah. I know like I feel I I've heard like so many things like a guy like Craig Button will say, Yeah, he's Patrice Bergeron. But then I see other people like more of the public sphere are kind of like, Yeah, he that's he's fine in his own end, but he's not a lead. So it's yeah. kind of like it's interesting.
2: I think one area that he's like probably one of the best I've I've seen is is when he has the puck on his stick. Like when he's getting a pass, he's dishing the pass right away. Like he's just that good at reading and has good vision. I just think, I think when you're, when you're competing in the OHL level and you're that good, it kind of just, it's kind of like, I'm going to get picked first. I might get picked second. So like, it just doesn't seem like he's like, when I went to watch him, I watched him twice this year. And I was actually more impressed with uh, Paul Lewinsky than I was with Shane. Right. He just seemed like sauntering out there. Like, Oh yeah, I'm the best guy, you know, like, but in warmups, this dude was like, his hands were nasty And then when it came to playing, like he was missing the net, not getting back on defensive checks. Like he just seemed like he was like, eh, I don't care. I'm going to get picked first. Which could, obviously, that's going to change. Like he's going to be in the NHL. So if he does that, someone's going to pull him aside and say, like, smarten up, obviously. But I don't know. I just think Logan Cooley's quick, good shot. I think that they have better upside than Shane Wright.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of always the balance of choosing upside and, and then like obviously the draft being in Montreal, it's so much added pressure to actually pick a yeah. guy who's projected to be first overall.
2: And the the thing that always comes back to me, I don't know how you guys are, but I don't know if you guys remember Patrick Steffen?
0: Uh, Yeah. A little before my time. I remember the name though.
2: He got picked like by Atlanta, I think in this, in the city draft or whatever.
0: Yeah. It was he 98.
2: Was the, yeah. He was like the biggest bust. Like besides, uh, uh, what's the name? Steve Dagle or whatever, or Alex <laughs> Dagle, sorry. Um,
0: Steve Dangle. <laughs>
2: Sorry, my bad. Alex Dangle, good. I think. Uh, yeah, like, they're like the biggest bus um, in in like Angel first round, first overall pick history, and it's just I don't know. I think that they had that same mentality where they're like the best players in the draft, and then they came to the NHL and kind of crapped a bit. Not that Shane Wright's gonna be a bust by. Any oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no. Steve Dangle, I I'm not a fan of that guy. So
0: <laughs> really,
2: yeah, he, he's just like. I don't know. I know that this is going to be like aired and live and I, he probably won't see it ever, but he, he's just annoying. It's just like, <laughs> he says like what every Leafs fan wants, but nah, I don't I don't think it. Okay. And the dude wrote a book on this, on the failures of the Leafs. Like he's making money off the failures of the Leafs like, kind of genius really, but I, don't know, yeah, I, just I was going to
0: say, you can keep milking it. Keep milking it. Um. Yeah. Let's get, more so Red Wings focused. Um, obviously, Shane Wright, probably not going to be there. I'd say it's probably most definite. Uh, missing it on Cooley, unfortunately. I love Cooley. Um, two defensemen, maybe one of them drops. Probably not. slavkowski has gone, probably. Um, on the clock at 8, I mean, we got probably like Savoy's probably going to be there. Marco Casper, Frank Nazer, Cutter Gautier, and Brad Lambert, you know, Connor Geeky. Which one of those guys do you feel has like the best chance to stick at center in the NHL?
2: Uh, I would say Cutter uh, to Really? Yeah. He, I don't know. He just, he has a different element to his game. I think than the rest of them, uh, he plays strong off the puck. Whereas most, I mean, the other players do like the, I mean, obviously every NHL player does play well off the puck. Well, not everyone, but he just seems to have a very strong presence off the puck. Like he can kind of, control uh, the defensive zone by himself, which is, I mean, what you kind of want as the second tier center because he'll be behind Dylan Larkin, I would assume in Detroit. Yeah. Um, one guy I'm not a fan of is Brad Lambert. You guys remember Atu Ratti last year? Yeah. He Atu Ratti. Be, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he reminds me of him, like supposed to be like number two or number yeah. one, and then just same situation, both finished, both switched teams all year. Like, and now they're going to be picked like 15 and be developing in the system because they're like, I think th- that's an example of guys who, de- who developed and were head of their class. And then the development stopped. But yeah, I think uh, going back to your question, um, Savoy is, uh, I think that he might transition to the wing. Uh, I think Gote has what it takes to be a two way forward center.
1: So, yeah, it's in. Go ahead. So Savoy, I quite honestly have only ever noticed him on the power play. Yeah,
2: and that's what I mean. Is like guys like that, I, I don't see them being like William Elander was a center, and now whenever he gets put center, he just lacks because he's a better winger. Center comes with a lot of responsibility, right? Like you're you're the technically the third defenseman. You're again back in the zone. And I think Cutter Gauthier playing his two way game will will be able to. Um, do that to an elite level over the rest of the guys.
0: Yeah, I know he. Yeah, um, man, the the program is really interesting. Like, get actually like in that center spot because I mean, obviously he was competing with Cooley. And he had Frank mm-hmm. Nazer there as well, and then you didn't want to have him as third line center. It's kind of similar to actually what happened to Dylan Larkin at, at his year in the program as well. He was stuck behind Jack Eichel and hold on, I'm struggling to remember who the other guy was. Not good, not good enough, I guess. When I can't remember off the top of my head, <laughs> but um, no, I think Cutter Gauthier is like a guy that's really interesting. He's risen up draft boards really fast. Yeah, really I fast. think
2: like Nazar could could do it too. I just think like in Detroit system behind Dylan yeah. Larkin, like I think Goate could take that take that second line in the center be a be a good uh, two way player, produce, but also lead the lead the line defensively. And I mean, not that Nazar can, not like he's obviously a top line talent or top um, tier talent. I just think that he'd be more of a, like, I think that he could compete more for a first line center role. And I, I don't see Dylan Larkin being too thrilled with giving that up.
0: Interesting. I, like I've, yeah. So are you a guy that's like super high on Nazar then? Cause I've kind of seen him all over the board as well. Like I've seen him project, like I've seen like, I think it was like elite prospects has him at five. And then I think Button has him at like 17. Oh man, Craig Button! I know, those, I know. I'm just, I know. He's not like the he know. just know those answer are just so bad. But I'm just, I'm just like throwing it out there.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think I'm higher on Goate than any of those players on the list. Yeah, to be honest, I think that Goate would be probably gone by six or seven. I don't even think Detroit has the chance to pick him. But I mean, if he does fall, it would be kind of a no-brainer to pick him.
0: Yeah, I mean, six-three, lethal shot. It's going mean, to it, for me, who lives close to Boston College, it'd be kind of nice to watch him next year for sure. Yeah. If he does fall. Yeah,
2: there's a couple guys that I think could be NHL ready. You
0: think yeah, there's think, a couple guys? Oh, really?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, like, maybe not uh, full man, um, uh, m- mentally, like, but I think, like, physically in their game, I think, like, obviously, oh, Jin, right? I think uh, Logan Cooley will be like a Matty Beneers, and he'll come at the end of his year next year or before the playoffs but i think uh Slavkovsky could make the jump yeah to the nhl next year i think that he would be good on new jersey personally but if by chance there's a ch- there's any way that detroit could find a way to to trade up to two or three i think that like i heard new jersey wanted to get rid of their pick and i've also yeah, think, heard that Bertuzzi is kind of a guy that they could swap so i mean i would do it i think on a line in a future with Slavkovsky and Larkin and whomever else is there. Like, I think you'd be done. It'd, really, it.
0: it'd be a really interesting fit. Cause I think right now, like I feel like the biggest need right now in Detroit is, a, is a center, whether that be a top line guy or cause I mean, Larkin, I think is a top line center at this point, but yeah. he's not like the exclamation point, top line center. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, he's top line center, but it's not like the, Set in stone, and I yeah. feel like Cooley's got that upside. So, if it was a situation like that where it was a trade up, which I mean, Eisman, he traded up last year to get Cosa, I'm not putting it out of the question, I just don't see it happening. But again, yeah, I, I guess you, you know. could do that
2: really. I guess you could because New Jersey has two,
0: right? Uh, yeah, New Jersey's got second. Oh, yeah, so yeah,
2: then yeah, if you're getting second, then you might as well just choose Cooley if you need a center. Yeah, that'd be kind right. of brilliant to do. Uh, and yeah. like, I don't know what your guys take on it because I talk about Tyler Bertuzzi a lot. So, let me ask you this. Is he gone or?
0: Um, I, I think it totally depends. And I'll let Grant finish. Like, I'll let him get his point after. Totally depends on what direction Steve Eisenman wants to do. Because right now the Eastern Conference is like this really interesting position where there's going to be a ton of teams switching in and out with, like, Boston now being out of it. I mean, Washington missing backstrom. And this is going to be a changing of the guard. So it depends how aggressive Eisenman wants to get. Because I don't think we're bad enough to be picking bottom five. You know what I mean? Like our top five, yeah. I should say we're not going to be bottom five in the NHL, but we're not going to be good enough to be pushing for a playoff spot. So it's that kind of like, which way do you want to commit to and selling off Tyler Bertuzzi would be committing towards the, the bottom. And like, I want him to go, I want Eisenman to go all in one way or the other, not like all in like keeping first round picks and such, but like making moves one way or the yeah. other.
2: It's, it's interesting that you well, grant you say your point. Cause I think that I have a different perspective as a non Detroit fan. you guys have on based on Detroit so Grant you you tell me what you think
1: for me I don't believe they trade him simply for the fact that he's a heart and soul guy and you're bringing in a new coach because you just fired yours after the last seven years of finally realization of that you believe that you're going to take a next step in my eyes is that that's why you fire a coach if you think you're gonna be bad next year again why fire a coach um Also, Bertuzzi, I just don't really see it considering his back issues too. I think there's a possibility that teams still will be scared off with that and the vaccination thing. So I think that it's going to be hard to get full value still, even though it's been one year since the back. I still think teams will be a little bit leery. That's just a lingering issue. I, I would love to have
2: Bertuzzi on the I know that it won't work because of the vaccine. Well, I mean, like, the vaccine status is kind of wearing out in Canada, so it could, but. Which is
1: another thing. If that wears out, then that opens up a whole other realm because I think there's a couple teams in Canada that he would be so fitting on. Yeah. And I can see him on Edmonton and price. Calgary, too.
2: But yes. I, I see Detroit as, like, L.A. Like, I see okay. Detroit as, like one or two pieces away, like go on and find your Victor Arbertson. Like one of the guys that I saw that one YouTube wrote in an article was Vincent Chocek. Yeah. Like I feel like that those are the type of caliber guys that Detroit should be kind of loading up on. And then I, I think that they could replace Boston.
1: The other yeah, the- big point that I had that I totally slipped my mind when I started talking was how Tyler Bertuzzi is also one of Dylan Larkin's best friends and how Anthony Mantha, Andreas Athanasiu have both been traded away. And they also were in that significant friend group that was so close. And how many friends are they gonna the trade away of Dylan Larkin's before Dylan Larkin hits his last draw and wants out? Yeah, That's, uh, I, I also think that they should have fired their coach last year.
2: And then Stevie Y could have used his connection to Gerard Gallant and brought him in.
0: Yeah. That's true. It kind of seems like we're trending right now towards uh Derek Lalonde in Tampa. Like yeah. I feel like he's kind of like the guy because like I don't know, I feel like Eisman would have made a move by now, but he's it seems like he's waiting out for Tampa to interview someone there. I think and that makes cleared. sense. Yeah, definitely. And he's he's a good he's a good coach for sure. Um, yeah, no. Bertuzzi, that's such an interesting one. Again, I I like to view us as like an LA piece as well. Like, I mean, Victor Arvidsson was like a second and a third. Mm-hmm. that was a trade and like that's such that for Detroit they have two seconds this year so that's an easy one you trade for like you could trade for a potential top six forward and like Victor yeah. Arvidsson if there's a guy on the market like that um yeah just adding like smart ways like that make young players with like upside like I view like a Nick Hag is like a possible like Detroit yeah.
1: add. uh Chuck Flesher's special maybe a Travis Konechny as a Victor oh. Arvidsson type piece I that know, I know, as
0: Toronto, I know as Toronto fans, you guys love Travis Konechny. Oh and I feel gosh. like any GM, any GM that's not on the phone with Chuck Fletcher at least once a day should be fired. That's like my firm belief because that guy's a moron.
2: I, uh, I think that Toronto needs guys like Tyler Bertuzzi, like more yeah, heart I mean, Connect,
0: Yeah, Konecny's like that though. I feel like.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. He, I guess he is, but I still think like Tyler Bertuzzi just seems like I
1: don't know, just like an animal.
2: Having him, I don't think there's many. I don't think there's many guys in the league that
1: seem as wild as him. Having to, or being able to watch him every night is literally a treat. Like <laughs> it actually is. On the Cam
2: and Strict podcast, Sunquist said like he's like the biggest hillbilly. Like he he makes homemade <laughs> workout equipment and works out like when he goes to parties, he'll bring like dumbbells and stuff made out of like homemade <laughs> stuff. Like that's the type of thing that I think Toronto needs because, like I guess I technically could would be quote-unquote pretty boy like i'm not a country guy at all but tron yeah, has yeah. too many guys that wear like versace and whatever those fanny pack things are like i think oh, we yeah. need some guy that just go in there with like a cut off flat t-shirt and be like grab him by a scruff of the collar and be like smart enough i think tell everybody has that all right
0: yeah i think yeah oh, man that's funny i need to go back and listen to that episode i guess because yeah, and, versus- and is-
2: he's a huge trunk too him and Sunquist had a drinking competition. Well, they, oh really? Oh yeah. my god! I, I I think they tied. I think Sunquist said that they tied, but I don't believe that. I think Tyler Bertuzzi is just a beast in everything that he does.
0: Well, like one of the most like viral pictures of Tyler Bertuzzi on the internet is just like him wearing a cutoff tank that says "just the tip." While <laughs> <laughs> he's playing oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and it's, obviously it's funny because like he scores a lot of his goals around the front of the net, but uh, I mean also like what he's hinting at as well. Yeah. Very funny. Um, I suppose we can get off trade hypotheticals. Maybe we'll have to have you on as like the off season goes forward, and we can just talk about crazy hypotheticals because that's always fun. Um, trying to figure out. Yeah, so we kind of talked about like polarizing players. Um, you kind of touched on Brad Lambert, not really liking him. What, Connor Geeky? Where are you on on him? Uh, to be honest, I haven't watched him a lot. Really?
2: No, yeah, he's just one of those guys that just slips to the cracks. Same as uh, there's another guy on your list. I, I think Savoy. I've watched a little bit, but like, yeah, Geeky's just one of those guys that I just, I mean, from what I understand is he's, he's a decent player and has some upside, but I think that uh, like the guys who have the most polarizing upside, I would think Cooley and uh, Slavkovsky. Yeah. And then I I think a sleeper pick would be Owen Beck. I think that guy's going to be like, like when I wrote my article, I said that his potential could be a Philip Deneau style.
0: Oh, so he's a center.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's he's a natural center. Yeah, but I mean, he's a small guy. So, but then I said like his his floor might be David Camp because he's kind of like that two way mentality. He's he's smart on both sides of the puck, right? And I can see him going up against other guys. And not that Detroit has the chance to pick him because he'll probably be gone late first. But he's another guy that could be a second or third line center that could Detroit could use.
0: Right, yeah. I was gonna. I guess we can kind of move into like the late second rounders. Like um, you mentioned, Owen Beck, a guy you kind of mentioned. I'm I'm interested about because I think I saw a video of him breaking a puck in in an OHL game. That was Ty Nelson. Yeah, hit the post. That's the guy. You want? No, Grant, you take it. Yeah, no, that's
1: that's basically it. I (laughs) think he's really intriguing. Just want to know a little bit about him.
2: He's one of those guys that just kind of fell off, had a bad year, and kind of. Like at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, I think he was like twentieth, fifteenth, like from what the like where I had him, and now he's like, I'd say probably within the first eight in the second round, which I mean is good, especially for Detroit because they have two kind of relatively early to middle of the pack seconds. Yes, but I think that one guy, I'm gonna butcher his name real bad because I'm I'm so bad names. He's he's German. His name's like Lane Bruchel or something.
0: Lee, no, Leon Bishal. Yeah, uh, he's my Swiss. apologies. Oh, is he Swiss. my apologies
2: to his name because I'm just so bad names. But he's a big dude. He's like yeah. 6'6", hundred and twenty pounds or something. That's and a lot of people don't like him.
0: I've see. I've like I listened like the Athletic Hockey Show for like the prospect. Um, he's projected to be like some people got him at like thirteen.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I would put him in the be first
0: draft. It would be a fun pairing with Moritz Sider. Who just uh, just yeah. won the Calder Trophy as of recording? Oh, did he? Oh,
2: yeah, he did, did anyone see what Matthews won?
0: Uh, no, I
2: uh, I don't know. did he? I don't know. I it got... into some people's faces at inside the rink.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen anything quite yet. Um, Ted, on Ted on. Lindsay,
2: yeah, you want oh, yep. Ted Lindsay? Nice. Yeah, neither rubbing a couple of people's faces at inside the rink that he's going to win hard in Oshes Durkin.
0: Well, that's really, I didn't realize. So, Dylan Larkin was actually in Tampa to watch Cider win the Calder. Oh, yeah. That's kind of neat. Eisman, like, like, he wanted, uh, he, Eisman told Larkin to go down there.
2: Not so, so shabby. I,
0: yeah. I mean, you got to listen to, you got to listen to Eisman.
2: Yeah. I, I like Dylan Larkin, to be honest. I think, like, Dylan Larkin's exactly what I thought people would say about Jack Igel. Really? Like, yeah. I think Dylan Larkin's like a classy guy. I like think reminds me of like that Steve uh not Steve uh, Steven Stamco style. Like a oh, pro, yeah. pro. Okay, but like, I think a I'm lot of
0: like pe- I th- I think talking stylistically people... like on ice, not like person. Oh, I was like, no. oh. <laughs> but like
2: when when uh Jack Eichel was drafted, it was kinda like that he was gonna be a pro's pro, but kind of strikes me as a he's he's a perfect fit for Vegas. Do whatever it takes to
0: win. Yeah, absolutely. Still, but... have <laughs> still have nothing. Still have nothing. Hell yeah. Wait, well, yeah, I would ta- yeah. I would
2: take Dylan Larkin. If I had an expansion draft for third yeah. second third third team, I would choose Dylan Larkin if he was available. Yeah. He's just yeah. he's just a guy that I think that he's a good captain, especially for the amount of young guys that Detroit has. Oh, Lucas Raymond. That was the other guy I was thinking about when I said I forget who the third guy would be. Dylan Larkin. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I, I figured we kinda like figured he meant that, but like I didn't know no need to like cut cut you off or whatever, but I, I figured you meant that. Um Kind uh, of going to snipers. Um, there's two guys that like have the pure scoring ability in the draft. I think it's Jonathan Lukaramaki and then Kamel. Um I've looked at. I'm looking at your personal list from. Hold on a second. I got. I just literally just cleared it. I'm pretty sure you had him third or fourth. No, excuse Kem- me. No, second. You had him second on your uh, list in February. Yeah, Kamel or
2: whatever his name is. Yeah,
0: Kamel. Yeah, you had you had him second um so do you view him as like uh you still view him around that range uh i would say probably now i'd put him at sixth nice okay. i just
2: think uh he's he's not that he's not done well i think that other people have done um like better than him like uh right you and stuff but i would say based on actual just pure sniping let a mackie's probably got a better shot okay like based yeah. on shot, but uh, Kamel is like, he, it's a tough, it's a tough one because like, as I said, like Lilamaki has a better shot, but uh, Kamel like plays a body, physical on the puck, shoot, pass. He does, I think he's like a well-rounded player as well, but based solely on sniping, I think I would give the edge to Lilamaki. What I'm else talking. do you like about Lilamaki? But to be honest, I, I really haven't I only really pay attention to I paid attention to him scoring, like the clips I watched were just a yeah. shot because everyone said he had a good shot. I know that he's a I, I don't think he's as big a guy. Uh, I think weight, I don't think he's as big weight-wise as come on. I don't think he plays physical, but I mean, yeah, can't really answer that question Sorry about that.
0: It's all good. Um, to kind of finish off. I wanted to talk about one guy, and it's an OHL guy. So I, I'm sure you're gonna have a little bit, a little bit of more of a, like an opinion on this. Um, Pavel Minshikov, guy who's really polarizing. I've seen him all over the boards as well. He kind of strikes me as like a Mikhail Sergachev type. I don't know if I'm off on that, but I I just want you to kind of break down his game a little bit and like where do you kind of see him placing in the draft?
2: Uh, I would say probably within the top ten. I think the reason why, like, I know, like, one of the questions that you're gonna like follow up with is why was he all over the board this year? Like, I know that that's a, a common question. I think it's because how bad second has been, and sometimes it's hard when people aren't bad teams to tell if they're if they're actually as good as they are or they just look above average based on on the team that they're on. But uh, I would I would say you're not far off with uh, Circuit Chef. I kind of had him as like a a Morgan Riley style as his ceiling. Okay. Um, But I mean, like, it's an opinion based on who's better. Like, some people would say Sergeyev smiles better than Morgan Riley because he plays different facets of the game, right? But I think offensively, I think he has a more Morgan Riley upside.
0: That's fair. Maybe I also just kind of went Russian to Russian. So I just yeah. like I kind of made that comparison without like really I think stylistically they kind of fit but again uh, Morgan Riley is also a good one as being like that pure offensive
2: and I, I guy. think it I think it kind of makes sense like in my opinion with Morgan Riley because at the beginning Morgan Riley wasn't as excuse me physical as he was is as as he is now and Sergeyev strikes me as a guy who has always been guy will lay a guy on. I think Morgan Rowley is now developed that more in his game. Like He fights a little bit more. He's a little more feisty. And I think as uh, Michikoff, or whatever his name is, I apologize, I'm really bad with names, uh, <laughs> goes on, he will develop that edge, and then Chef would make more sense. But right now, I think his
1: offensive ability is his strongest suit. Gotcha. Um... Do, do you have a, let's say, like a favorite fourth or fifth rounder? That you think is gonna fall deep in the draft? Oh.
2: Um, I actually, I actually looked this up because I, I wanted to surprise. I think one guy that will do decently well is Max Mestekov. How? Yeah. I know that he's like a sixth or seventh. Uh, and there's one. Let me look. There's one other guy. I saw. Um,
0: going give me two seconds here. Oh, Maxim tomaskkov is like I totally forgot to like write him down as like Vlad's brother and the age gap's actually kind of like the like, kind of a big age gap there
1: all I know is he has nasty hands
2: yeah he, he does and I think he I think he might have a potentially better release than Vlad but he's saying he, much. that's not saying much well I guess that's true
0: but like when he played <laughs> in
2: when he played in in the uh, in New York he was I think more offensively gifted than he was. Now, like, I think that was his Oh, best yeah, play.
0: absolutely.
2: Absolutely. That's when I became a fan of him, actually, playing with uh, Pavel Busnevich. And now I can't stand them e- either of them.
0: <laughs> oh, his name's Luca Del Bell. Bellis. Oh, yeah, yeah, Blue. Blue. Um, I've seen him. I heard he interviewed really well with Columbus, like, as, a, like, a potential first rounder. Some I people read have time. him, like,
2: first. Some people have him second. I think, uh, like, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I saw a guy, I think he had him in the third round like early okay. third. He's a linemate of uh, Owen Beck, and he's the guy that would go out and, and put up like 20 goals. Like, whereas right. Owen, Beck, Owen Beck can do that, but Owen Beck's more of like the Phil Deneau, David Camp, and I think Interesting. Uh, he will be the more of the sniper kind of guy who right. will fit well in a top nine. All right. I know that there's um, like, I know that one of the things that people are talking about is like uh, drafting and um, and developing through Detroit, and I think, like I know that one of the questions you had asked me to think about was, um, would it be the end of the world if they don't get a second round center or second line center in the draft? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I'm going to say no because Detroit has the uh, ability to develop. But I think as Detroit gets better, the pull to go to Detroit, the hockey town, will be will be bigger. Like I think That's this good. year, uh, Trocheck uh Kadri Strom should be three guys that they should look at bring in and I think as they like it's it, to me it's kind of like St. Louis like St. Louis and Chicago they're just those teams that if they're good I think that they're going to attract like the Rangers T- Toronto it, it would I but I think the tax and it, it, it deters people but I think those American teams are are historically good I think it it, it pushes people to want to go there That's really good think, point I
0: like I that I think
2: as if they don't get everything that they need in this draft, people shouldn't panic, because as yeah. they develop, I think that people are going to want to go to Detroit just like Brett Hall wanted to, and you know, like back in the day. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's about all I got for you. Uh, thank you very much you're for welcome. coming on. Uh, so you want to tell people how to find you on and what what stuff you're working on, how to find you, Twitter, all that stuff, plug yeah. your stuff.
2: My uh, my Twitter is at Spencer twenty three I believe uh, right now working on a Hunter Height um, uh, scouting report and uh, Least Talk Forever podcast at Inside the Rink as well as covering the Ted Lindsay winner Austin Matthews tonight and <laughs> an article perfect. so so watch, watch for that
0: perfect thank you for coming on Spencer we really appreciate yeah. it thanks nice to you guys and we're back um yeah fun fun interview I actually. Learned a little bit about the OHL guys. I was kind of surprised to learn about like Owen Beck. He's a guy I'm kind of interested in. It's like a early second round guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, a guy like also I want to talk like Owen Pickering is another guy I'm really interested he about. He
1: is filthy. Yes.
0: I was watching some highlights today, and I was like, ah, Does he strike me as a more outsider kind of guy? I don't know. I don't know. I saw like a scout say. Um, I was reading um, Corey Promin's like mock draft and then like a, a scout's ret- critique on it. So it was like the athletics mock draft and then like a scout from the league critiques it and says like which players should go higher or lower. And he said Pickering could go top 10. Really? Yeah, that's what the scouts like opinion was, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, And also like people were picking, I think it was like Gaucher and L- Luno way too high. Like I think it was like one of the other critiques. Um. Yeah, let's talk about uh. let talk about Jeff Petrie. Very divisive amongst Red Wing fans currently, and amongst like the news of the Jeff Petrie trade and when uh, it was Pierre Lebron said it on uh TSN, the insider insider trading segment. Um, listed Dallas as a definite contender for him, as they could be losing John Klingberg. Probably, probably will be losing John Klingberg. And just an easy fit as a right-handed defenseman right in there. But Detroit was also listed. And this is something I talked about, I think, a few months ago, I think we talked about it, when I said something about, um, oh, my God, what's his name? Eric Engels. Eric Engels. He initially reported something like with Detroit. And everyone kind of just brushed it off. But now a little more traction. Um, what do you think about
1: Jeff, the possibility of Jeff Petrie coming to Detroit? Yeah, well, I'll go like this first. I honestly do not see him going to Detroit for the fact that Dallas will not be able to reclaim Klingberg and re-sign him. They just won't be, won't want to pay him that much. It's a ridiculously overpayment is what he's going to get this summer. I don't think Jeff Petrie's any worse than Klingberg. Maybe a little bit offensively, not as dynamic on the power play. But 10 times better defensively. Um, I think Dallas will make a heftier trade than Detroit would package over, which will then get claimed, Jeff Petrie, because I think – I don't know what his movement clause is exactly. Uh, modified modified, no trade and then no moving clause,
0: full no, no move. So that just means he – he. I don't know what the list is for no trade, but he can't be sent down to the minors with all the no, no moving clauses. Okay.
1: Well, I know that his wife is from Texas, Texas. right? Yes. And then he is from Detroit, um, Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, same shit. Uh, I just think, I, th- I think it was said that he only wants to go to one of those two teams if he's getting moved. Correct. That's what Eric Ingalls had reported. Yeah. That's those are his preferred destinations a while back. Um, so I think Montreal management would go off of that. If there was a good package in place for them or a decent package they would pl- try to please the player a bit. I would be all for a Jeff Petrie trade if you consider the following basically, if Philip Peronix gone. Um, Philip Peronix making 4.4 for the next two, three years. Two years. And Jeff Petrie would be making 6.25 for three more years. Correct. I don't want that hefty cap, cap. Hefty of three cap hits on the right-hand side. Also, you have Gus Lindstrom to take into effect as a guy that I think they want to blossom as a third-pairing defenseman. So basically, you need to find a way to get rid of Heronic if you're going to do this. And Heronics a guy I have said multiple times. I don't see him ever on a winning team. In the playoffs. I just don't see it. He doesn't have that kind of game. I I'm sorry for all the Heronick lovers. I I love Rona personally. Uh, as a player, mm, I guess I don't maybe don't love Veronic, but he seems like a good dude. Uh, just does not get it done for me on the ice. Uh, defensively, not great. Terrible hands he has a really interesting shot that he never uses at the right time. Basically, I just think he needs a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're going to take in Jeff Petrie, he's going to slot into that second pairing. And I think he'd be a really good mentor for Simon Edvinson. He's a guy that's 34 years old, get three years out of him. He's brings it to 37. I know the cap hits big. But three years brings you to the end of Simon Edmondson's ELC, where he's going to be making good money. Um, I know you have mentioned it quite a bit, but Edmondson's going to slot in next year, right? And he needs somebody to play with. So you either have to sign someone, or really you can't sign someone because you have three right-hand defensemen on that that are already under contract for next year. And we've both talked about, you especially have talked about how you don't want Edmondson and Heronic together. Because then it'll turn into Edvinson babysitting Heronic which cannot happen. Um, you can't have the same expectations from him that you had out of Cider. Not, that Cider gave you right away. He just gave you so much hope. So that needs to be taken into effect too and i think iserman will take that into effect um yeah that's basically my thoughts on that
0: yeah kind of going back to like i know you said like you're pretty hard set on not having all three like i for right now like i think you could start the season with all three of those players petrie Horonic, cider you could i don't really care to be honest. But, like, that opens up the possibility of moving Horonic in midseason to gain another player to help you moving in whatever direction you want to. But, yeah, Jeff Petrie, I'm in favor of a move if, obviously, there's a couple things. Like, it's reported that five or six teams have also reached out. I'm not trying to get into a – if I'm Steve Eisman, I'm not trying to get into a bidding war. And I think Steve
1: Eisman's not going to get into a bidding war. Exactly. I think a team like Philadelphia might get into a bidding war. Oh, that's what I, I'm it. out of it. If I'm in if that happens, I think the point you just brought up, where you're not opposed to having them start with all three of those guys, I just think it completely eliminates the fact for Heronik or the, the, any idea of Heronik is for power play to me, and he has decreased significantly on the power play himself. So why do you need him at all after you pick up a guy like Jeff Petrie to play second power play? Right. What What do you – I feel like we go into this every episode. What What is Horonik's value? Like, where do you value him as a player? So, it's so,
0: like, hard because, I mean, obviously you look strictly production. You have a point per game defenseman. That's not to be taking, taken for granted. That's great production for defenseman, but you look at all of his defensive impacts, not great. I kind of look at, like Tyson Berry. Like, what's Tyson Berry's value? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean the that'd only, be like my closest comparison. Like Tyson Berry's not very good in the defensive zone, but he's
1: really good in the offensive zone. And I, Tyson Berry, I would much prefer over Horonic offensively. Yeah, right. Like I think Horonic needs to learn, but he's is, but also Horonic's younger. The only exactly the only difference is younger. There's be more value there because mm-hmm. Tyson Berry's so, literally gonna be a cap dump this summer. So it kind of depends on the team you're trading him to. Like I
0: I think like a team like Seattle, like Horonic in Seattle team that's desperate. I'll for offense.
1: I'll take Vince Dunn for Phil Veronek.
0: Well, I think Vince Dunn also is kind of like an offensive guy that they kind of need. But I know. <laughs> either way, I don't like, I'm, I'm just trying to like hypothetical teams that could be looking for offensive defensemen. Philly is another team that comes to mind doing some crazy shit this summer, but I'll uh, back on a Petrie. Like, I don't know. The age doesn't scare me in the sense of like, there's been players in the like the past couple of, like, I don't think aging curves are such as like, I feel like 2017 was like the year of like the aging curves. We were like, a bunch of terrible contracts just got shown badly. I think when you look at, like, the elite players, like, I think Jeff – you can't tell me Jeff Petrie's not, like – if not just a very good player, he's close to elite. Literally was, like – he was had a Norris-caliber season. My – 2020, 2020,
1: 2021. This is my biggest gripe about this whole situation. People don't act – they forget that he literally would have made Team USA last year if yeah. there would have been an Olympics. And I guess if he didn't have as horrible of a start, it was a little bit up in the air. But his season that he had when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals was amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. He literally, oh my, I can't, I can't fathom that and everybody just forgets that already. It is. It amazes me.
0: Yeah, and like, and so everyone points to like the beginning of this year is like, oh, here comes his aging curve. Like, this is where we see the fall off of Jeff Petrie. As soon as Martin yeah. San Luis took over, 30 games played, 21 points. That's insane. It's such a turnaround. That is. So, like, it, he's obviously something there, like finishing that well in a season, it should be something that like I'm I'm willing to scrap like the beginning of that season completely in this in the sense of Petrie. Right? um no he's a good player and when you're at this point in the rebuild you need quality veterans still like i know everyone's super excited about getting all the young guys in you can't just have a bunch of guys under the age of 25 playing defense for an ihl team it's a really bad recipe unless,
1: That's a good way- unless they're just filthy
0: unless they're just filthy sure but like uh, like besides like, like Edmondson, I'm give him the roster spot. But like, other than that, like I'm not trying to force Albert Johansson on this team way too early. Nope. Could he make it? Sure. I'm not trying to make it easy for him though. You know what I mean? And even looking aside from the two rookies that could be coming in, we have cider who's, who's 21. Horonic, who's 24 and needs a babysitter. Gus Lindstrom's 23 and also needs a babysitter for the most, most likely because he was a scratch at certain points of the season. Thank God we got Jordan who's 29 and plays either fourth line forward or 22 minutes a night. It's just like we don't have – and Jake Wallman's an RFA who's 26 and has played 70 games in his career, something like that, roughly.
1: That I have a good amount of confidence in after – Yeah, no, game. no,
0: no. I'm not saying I'm, – but I'm I'm not throwing him a top-pairing role. Oh, no. I'm probably not throwing him a top four role either. He's our
1: sixth or seventh defenseman. Him and
0: Gus Lindstrom are battling it out
1: every night for the last spot, in my opinion. Give me give me Jeff Petrie babysitting Albert Johansson every night. Mm -hmm. That would be quite a fun pair. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like,
0: you kind of need that guy. And I understand, like, there's guys cheaper in the free agent market. And totally, like, if if it gets up to any point where it's, like, a a significant asset that's being asked, you back out immediately. Like, I'm not trading. Like, I had hesitated a second-round pick. That's, like, probably my limit.
1: And any like significant prospects? I'll do I'll do Heronic and Heronic for Petrie in the second. I don't I'd do that. You could so probably Petrie. get more out. You could get more out of Heronic probably, but yeah, so I think it
0: needs to be separate deals, personally. But I for Montreal it does kind of make sense for a younger defensemen. But
1: a young offensive defenseman that could literally be their first power play guy <laughs> right away. Yeah, true, true. Um, it actually chris weidman
0: is sorry i mean yeah chris weidman <laughs> he loves ubers what do you the mean the joke just you, the joke went right over your head the, auto, you know the reason whole reason why he got kicked off the auto Senators.
1: oh that, that okay never mind i got it
0: <laughs> so wasn't it yeah. a taxi or was it an uber it was an uber because ubers are allowed to record in the state of arizona they're allowed to record you uh, that's, I that's so rockstar
1: yeah speaking of Arizona. Um, Right.
0: So, yeah, Petrie, again, if the price is right, I'm I'm all for it. And, like, looking at the free agent class this, this summer for defense, there's not a lot of, like, problem solvers. There's, like, a couple guys, and I, I'll have an article probably out tomorrow along with this podcast, so I'll kind of touch on a couple of those guys. But, like, a Brett Kulak, an Ian Cole, those guys will be good fits and, like, are serviceable and better than what we had. But they're not, like, top four defensemen, likely. Maybe Brett Kulak, but – Ian Cole's not, like, pushing the needle. He's helping, but he's not pushing the needle. I like Ian Cole a lot, but he's not – you know what I mean? Jeff Petrie's really helping you. I understand that kind of puts, like, a label on, like, a window of, like, trying to succeed within that three years of Petrie. But, again, the worst comes to worst. I don't think his values be completely tanked by, like, the last year of his contract where you could, like, eat half of it and move it. Yeah. And also the cap's projected to go up, like, pretty – like, a million for the next couple of years, and then it's going to hit a big jump, and I'm like – I think the last year of his contract, I think, if not like the year after. It's supposed to take a really big, like reported to like 10 million. So I don't think it's as as bad of a burden as it is to take on that hit. And no, this is not going to be a cap dump. This is not Mark Stahl. To anyone who thinks that's the case with Jeff Petrie, he's a very good player. Anyone thinking he's watched up doesn't watch the Montreal Canadiens, I guess, or Jeff Petrie in general. It's kind of my two cents on that. And I'm not, yeah, I'm, full, like, I just think Dallas and Philly are like the two teams I feel like are most likely to land Petrie, personally. Yeah, um, you got anything else on Jeff Petrie? Like any other thoughts? No, I'm. I think we hit it pretty good. Uh, quickly, like as we were talking about, um, Simon Edmondson, it kind of reminded me the uh, Team Sweden's uh, World Junior roster was announced. Uh, at least their pre- preliminary roster, which we'll take to camp in Edmonton. But, like, looking at it, it's a 23-man roster, so it's kind of close to finalized now. Yeah. Uh, not not shocking, like, not surprising. Simon Edvinson and Theodore Niederbach were, are back on the team, as they were. But uh, certain William Wallender made the cut this year. Our boy. Should have been on it last time. Should have been on it last time. It was like his rise started to happen as soon as, like, well, season kicked up. I
1: think it's a part of the whole issue of when Raymond wasn't submitted for the Olympic roster, nobody expected him to take off like that and be that NHL ready. Uh, Wallander kind of just – he was playing eight minutes a night in the SHL, barely playing, so they went with their, their normal guys, I guess, the guys that they had first in their head. And then Wallander started playing 20 minutes a night. Crazy
0: what happens when you have a coach that you know trusts you.
1: It's Crazy. awesome. It's I'm super excited to see Wally in during the tournament. Oh my gosh, I oh I hope he plays big minutes too. I think he could have a coming out party this tournament. To be really interesting from a forward perspective on that team because Holtz is not there
0: this year, and that's a big
1: loss for them. Why I know mean, they still have two forward spots open that they're trying to figure out. They're waiting for. A Lawson, I think, and then they're going to decide on who's oh. next. he's there They don't know what he's going to do yet. So, really? Oh, so Colorado hasn't committed to loading him out yet? Yeah, apparently. So I think they're waiting on a Lawson and then I think it's going to be interesting with, like, Osland and Ogren because they could be in the running to make the team too. Ogren's a guy that's, like, really rising up draft boards right now because he's big. Um, I also am curious if Dower Nilsson is going to be in that mix too. To make the team with that next because there's two opening spot open spots left on that right. roster. Right. And he's a guy who's
0: played SHL games for sure. Yeah. Um, do you read anything to like I um, yeah, it's kind of pose a question. I'm not giving it a stance on it at all. Do you read anything to Edvinson b- being allowed
1: to go to the tournament? I read that they think I don't know. I guess I, I think that would be a belief that they could win the tournament. And uh, a kid shouldn't be able to miss out on that. That's fair. I like that. I meant more so as like roster hopes and whatnot from Detroit standpoint, but yeah. I think I, I think they're confident he's they gonna make the roster. I think it's more or less if I'm a player, right? And you had the U twenty championship is one of the biggest accomplishments for kids that age, especially. I I lean towards more foreign countries rather than Canada or the U.S., even though it's huge here, too. I think they take take it more seriously, maybe, especially as a fan base. Their fans live, breathe, and die They're for their country and hockey in general. So I think missing out on that as a player isn't fair. To know you're good enough to be on that team and battle for the world championship, gold. Um I think it would suck to miss out on that. So I'm happy that he's getting his chance.
0: Yeah, definitely. Also, um, a couple of USA guys invited to Booyam
1: and Mazer both invited to the USA camp, which that roster is large. Yeah, I was very shocked that Cross Hannes was not bumped an in invite. I think partially because he plays in the WHL might yeah. sting him a little bit because I I do not know numbers, that. numbers are hard to argue with. Yeah.
0: Also, their goaltending situation looks awful. The US. US Yeah. So, uh, so you know how Camasso was their number one. He's he's not going. So they have that guy Silverstein who was at the um, UATs for USA and was really bad. Oh. Yeah. So like, there's like no like notable names in goal. So it's kind of tough. It doesn't look good for like U.S. in that sense. Like that, yeah, that sense, yeah. Did Bualem didn't initially make it? Did he? It was just no, Sav- no. Savage and Mazer. Yeah, was Savage on the list? I didn't. Even, I didn't. He
1: was. First. Okay, all right. I missed Savage. So Savage is I mean, also... Savage over a guy like Hannes is interesting to me. I guess you gotta um, fill a role. Fill ro- the A role player, which is right. good. I and think Mazer can kind of do a couple different things. I, I I'm pretty sure Mazer would make it. But after that, I'd I'd like to see Bouie make it. I'm not sure. They have a lot of really talented defensemen on right that roster Who there. Who knows? Maybe, and I mean, Bouie probably gonna make the
0: next World Junior too because he's still eligible for the next one as well. Yeah, it's true. Where where
1: Mazer where Mazer isn't. Yeah. So Savage would also be as well. Yeah, and Savage had initially made it too. I'm not sure if he'll make it again. Right. It's really interesting yeah. that they're having another <laughs> camp for it, but
0: yeah. Um, suppose we could finish up in some playoff talk as we're re- recording right before Game Four, the playoffs. I told you I was not worried until Tampa Bay lost at home. Not worried Tampa, about what? Tampa Bay, like I, I, everyone was like series is over, Tampa's is over. Series
1: is over. Tampa is over.
0: <laughs> really, you're gonna go? You're going with that take?
1: Yeah,
0: Colorado really? by six.
1: Colorado by six tonight. Colorado by six. Kadri is five. Wow, it's bold. Case, I don't know if he'll shoot the puck five times. I don't think so. Probably not.
0: No, like I, I have like all the insiders are like, huh? Oh, Tampa, Tampa Bay over. I'm like, well, we just saw like, you know, like last week that they came back from a two nothing deficit. Also, that and, was against the Rangers. Sure, sure. But Andre Vasilevsky was very good last game. Okay,
1: T- Tampa Bay also very good last game. You're just yeah. not. You're not. I'm you're not, not feeling it. it. I I think this is a lot different than last. I'm series. trying to
0: sell i I'm just trying to sell a series. Like yeah. I, I I still think it's Colorado. But like anyone who said like was like, all right, cool. Is Colorado going to sweep? No, I'm not going to
1: sweep. Yeah, in five at Ball Arena, they're going to win it. <laughs> you're just not giving in. No. Um, but no, Colorado.
0: Like, I'm a little bit like, I'm not surprised that they chose to go back with Kemper, but also he was garbage. Game three, not good.
1: I mean, it's not the reason they lost, but yeah. No, but
0: he didn't help. He didn't help anything.
1: You can't tell me that Pablo Frankie isn't is better than Kemper.
0: Francis, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm like, I know in the playoffs you can't really think like that, and you kind of have to set your starter. So then it kind of looks like your whole team's panicking. I, I like, I was listening to Jeff Merrick talk about it. It was like, I, he's like, I understand like in the regular season, you probably go back, you go to your backup, like the next game, right. Cause your goalie had a bad night, but in the playoffs, it, sh- it shows that you don't have a number one guy. Therefore it kind of caused pack panicking your team, which you don't want to do. I go back to percent. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what's going on. Um, Valerian Itushkin's really making a real, a real strong case for the consummate. like the last minute. You think? Yeah, dude, he's been dominant this series. He's been so good.
1: I I still think he's so far overshadowed by McCar.
0: Yeah, I think McCar was quiet like the first game but then he kind of he's kind of been back the last two, my opinion. And yeah. McKinnon's been the one who looks
1: frustrated a little bit, not getting his looks. I mean, does he though? Well, I think him. he looks a little frustrated. Every goal is generated by him and he just doesn't get a point on it. Yeah. They they lost six to two last game. He started both plays by driving it into the zone on the power play, mm-hmm. and he sets up the whole power play. And then he's been generating so many shot opportunities. I know he was a minus last game, but the game before that, I think he was on the ice for almost every or a lot of goals. Every goal, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of goals.
0: Was it a, yeah seven nothing game, which was the second um, largest goal differential in the Stanley Cup Never playoff ran. game. I was thinking Stanley finals.
1: I was thinking game one, he was uh, on the ice for a lot of goals. Maybe not. Which one? Game one, I was thinking, but maybe not. Tough.
0: Few just texted me that uh, Dufour owns Kosa. <laughs> so, I guess I don't know do Dufour played for Schwinn again.
1: Rockstar. That's what was big. it, 4-3? Yeah.
0: Yeah, 4-3. Cosa. I watched the highlights. Costa looked okay. Yeah, he there was one goal where his defenseman like pinned his leg against the goal and they like wrapped it around. There was like a rebound in front and he couldn't make the save. There was a one from like a lengthy shot from the blue line that like he was screened and caught at the last second. He dropped too 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 slowly, so went in. And then other than that, like it was kind of like two goals you probably could have had. Um. Luke Prokop had a good game for um, the Oil Kings as well, which is kind of – that's cool to see. Uh, but, yeah, no. Like, yeah, the San Cup final right now. I'm excited for game four. I think this is going to be the best game of the series for sure. Um, who would you be – like, so um, – who would be your pick for the Conn Smythe, both teams?
1: Rick Nash and Kamakar. Rick Nash. <laughs> Riley Nash's brother, Rick. Oh, I see. I see. That was a
0: joke. Yeah, no, you're, I know you're joking.
1: Uh, but Kucherov and Makar.
0: Okay. Kucherov's like only a couple points away from going three straight playoffs with thirty
1: plus points. He's a freak.
0: It's so unfortunate that like you look at his regular season stats and it's like with injury and stuff, it's like oh, like on the on the surface it doesn't look that impressive. But you look at his playoff stats and it's stupid. He's a freak. Like. He's kind of just forgotten about as literally one of the best wingers in the NHL. Yeah. He's so good. Um, I've, I've also loved Stephen Stamkos this series, And, like, he's kind of a sneaky guy for me. Like, he's been very good.
1: Yeah, he just hasn't put in the production that Kucherov has. No, no, and, no. I, I know. And you cross-factor that Kucherov just had back-to-back 30-point postseasons Yeah, didn't win a single Conn Smythe.
0: I just think Stamkos has scored some big goals.
1: Like, when he's yes. – like,
0: you look, at, you look at the Rangers series –
1: who assisted on that though? A disgusting saucer pass.
0: Yeah, no, I that know. starts yeah, with Pooch. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying clutch clutch factor is definitely like part of it. Speaking of clutch as well, Andre Pilot. That Gosh. line's been somewhat that, that line's been fun. Andre, Andre Pilot is, is like is just fun. He, he's just made a lot of money this, uh, this off this offseason and he's probably priced himself out of Detroit and Tampa. Unfortunate. He's gonna get paid somewhere. Really? <laughs> Philly, like I like, Philly's just gonna get everyone. They're gonna try to get everyone. Oh, they're gonna try. They the whole f- team
1: and pick up Forsberg.
0: Yeah, Ivan Proveroff is gone. Yeah, probably. he's gone. James Van Riemsdyk, if they can move him, crazy. Yeah, yeah they have. it's definitely a fun off season for that team. I'm so excited to see what Van Riemsdyk like back
1: to Toronto for John Tavares. Yes. Listen, listen, Sandheim. And Van reeves to Toronto for Tavares. That'd be crazy. How's
0: that
2: sound?
0: <laughs> uh, we just got word that our um, our co host Dylan Anderson uh, did not big time us. Wi Fi was out, tree fell on tree fell on the lines. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's something like that with him. I'm like, I'm like, this dude's asleep or something. And no, uh, poor guy. Uh Love you, Andy. I'm sorry, sorry, yeah, assuming the worst. I'm sorry,
1: Andy. Yeah, we'll get we'll get him back. We'll get I'm him glad back. you're okay.
0: We got some fun. Uh, unless you got any more on the playoffs, if you uh, want to touch on, else. yeah. Uh, I kind of want to get it, get into the game. I'm I'm excited to watch. But we have a couple fun off season episodes planned, and I'm talk about it. I want to talk about a couple of them with you after. But uh, yeah, everyone be on the lookout for that. I think It's gonna be a busy couple weeks for the Red Wings. Once the season ends, uh, certain coaching news still needs to come out, which, uh, probably will happen as soon as the final is over. If you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, check us out. Uh, you can look us up at inside the Rink, the podcast network, uh, read my stuff, please read everyone else's stuff. Good website. Subscribe on Apple pod. Leave a review helps us follow us on Twitter as well at TPL pod you can follow our accounts too they're in the bio of the pod account yeah thank you for listening